This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, it's Halloween. It's terrifying in here. It's terrifying in here. It's terrifying outside. It uh, is. It's dark. A lot of fireworks. Well, no, it's also is dark, scaring and, you? dark and rainy. I don't know. You're like a poodle. My just... sense, The sensory lights on my place are on and it's 930 in the morning. It's scary. It's, it is. It's scary out there. It is. It is. And thanks for dressing up, by the way. Yeah. No, hey, my, my pleasure. You know what? This is one of my favorite holidays of the year. Clearly, it's yours as well. I mean, this place looks fantastic. Yeah. We got the cobwebs on the wall. We got the dangling spider. It's uh, we're we're very we're in Halloween mode around here. We are, yeah. Also, uh, shout out to Secret Scalina who dressed up as a sexy nurse. Yeah, Secret Scalina on the one one and twos, one and twos. Uh, the producer here, uh, sexy nurse, but a male nurse, a sexy male nurse, yeah. which is uh, they can also be sexy. There's yeah, no yeah. Question about that? <laughs> There's no question about that. All right, well, we got a great show. We've got Justin Smith from Hawkeye Wealth today. Um, he is fantastic. We've known Justin for years. This this is a great conversation it is yeah. it is it's one of my favorite interviews that we've done in a very very long time and that's no offense to any of our other guests i just i really enjoy talking to justin it's motivational it's it's you'll learn a ton and there's a lot of takeaways and he's kind of a guy you look at and you're like man he's doing something right uh and he and he you know does things like uh forms a new habit every quarter you know, smoking to, this quarter. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, no healthy was habits. Last quarter. <laughs> healthy habits every every quarter. Right? But I mean, he's really he's a driven guy. He's very successful. He's very bright. And uh, yeah, this is a fantastic conversation. So 
So Justin is the founder and president of Hawkeye Wealth, and he really is your connection for investing in kind of large, larger scale commercial and multifamily real estate. Yeah, I mean, and maybe we should let Justin explain it during the interview, which he does very well, but we're talking... Uh, luxury rentals across North America, developments, you know, getting in on the ground floor to invest early in multifamily developments um, and, and various other types of uh, rehabbing multifamily. Yeah. Yeah. Ver- yeah. There's, there's lots of opportunities here and, and uh, Justin will do better than us in explaining it. For sure. But before we get to our interview with Justin, Matt, um, quick thing we got to discuss, we are doing a free seminar. It's pre-sale versus resale. What should you buy? And it's going to be on November 7th between 7 and 8 p.m. It's at TD Canada Trust, 1055 Dunsmuir Street. Um, There is limited space. We only have 30 seats available. So get in touch if you want a free ticket to that event. And you can get in touch uh, through our email, info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. But without further ado, why don't we cut to our interview with Justin? Yeah, this is a good one, guys. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Justin Smith, president of Hawkeye Wealth. How are you doing, Justin? Fantastic, thanks. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for taking the time today, Justin. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Justin, we've known you for a while, but uh, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. I uh, have been in the business for a little while now. Grew up uh, BC, Williams Lake, Quinell, uh, the uh, caribou for for those that are familiar with the area. <laughs> spent a uh, number of years there. Spent a number of years in Kelowna as well as my family moved around. Uh, spent a few years in Quebec uh, as well and, and wow. uh, a few years in Edmonton and finally ended up was in... Your, uh, was beautiful. your father in the military? <laughs> <laughs> no, my father was in uh, in law, so... Okay. Uh, some different different positions and, and opportunities in different places, and uh, and I moved for a few reasons here. Came to Vancouver though in uh, 2009 to to do my uh, master's in business, and uh, finished that up, and and uh, got into real estate shortly after. All right, Justin. So we we're, we brought you on today to talk a little bit about Hawkeye Wealth because you say you're in real estate, but you're you're definitely not a, a realtor as as Adam and I are. Can you tell us a little bit about Hawkeye Wealth, what you do, and uh, how you got started with uh, your company? Yeah, it actually started uh, many many years ago. I went I went to a real estate conference. Uh, my landlord at the time had invited me, and and. Uh, I don't know if he just wanted me to go and buy a piece of real estate so he could kick me out as his tenant. <laughs> I'm not not entirely sure, uh, but I was just blown away at how the topic could attract upwards of 700 people. It was a massive room, and 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 I was just I I couldn't believe it. I'd never experienced anything like that before. And I met one of the speakers, and at the time I wasn't uh, working in real estate. I was uh, working managing uh, a territory for another company, and. I was I was kind of languishing in that in that nine to five role. It wasn't a very good fit for me, so I knew I was looking for a change. And I met uh, met someone at that conference that was in the industry and thought, you know, I need to get to know I need to get to know this guy. And and uh, decided to change uh, careers uh, that day. I got got into real estate, got into the industry, actually helping people purchase uh, pre sale investment properties, mostly in Northeast BC, and and uh, was very excited uh, about about doing that. It was. A little bit of a struggle uh, at first, as sure. yeah, many many realtors can probably uh, relate to that one. I uh, I had gone from having a 
a lot of structure, uh, the nine, the nine to five people, uh, people to report to, to essentially not nobody to report to, uh, except for my wife, of course. And, and, uh, Netflix had come out at the time and, and all that freedom and, <laughs> and, uh, time. And it was just, <laughs> That's a, the challenges are endless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and no, it was, it was a real struggle actually. Uh, my, my wife and I about six months into when I'd started uh, getting into this industry, it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent commission based sure. uh, job. Right. And so, uh, obviously if you're not doing the work, you don't, you don't make much money. That's, that tends right. to be how it works. And, and my wife was working a full-time job and we were driving down uh, highway one and she looks at me with, with really stern wife eyes. Right. And, and she just looks at me, she's like, Justin, you got to get a job. <laughs> and my first thought was, no, 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 no. I just, I just came from that. Yeah. I, I can't. And then the second thought was, you know, She's kind of got a point, uh, <laughs> you know. I'm in. I'm in this to to make a living, and I'm just. I'm just not cutting it. So I said, "Okay, I'll tell you what, honey. I'll I'll make ten thousand dollars in commissions this month. If I don't make ten thousand dollars in commissions, I'll go and get a job." And right away, she says, "Oh, okay, definitely, definitely. You know, yeah, ten thousand. Right. Sounds yeah, like yeah. a good deal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think she believed me. I don't even know if I believed me at the time. But uh, so so. Anyways, what do you do? You go and you, you get to work, and I end up making uh, ten thousand and thirty five dollars. Yeah, about thirty five dollars away from not being on the podcast today. Gentlemen, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mar- margin of error wasn't much, um, but really. Uh, got into the business and just and just loved it. And at first, I, I, my favorite part was was doing the transactions and, and started to make a very good living that way. My, my wife was actually able to quit her job and come work with me shortly after that. Oh, oh nice. great. Yeah, yeah, it worked out, uh, worked out very well that way. And uh, what I realized, my next aha was, here I am making a, a few dollars on a transactional basis, but all of the investors that I were, was working with were making many times that just investing in the real estate. Right. And so for me, it became very clear that as I went and made money, I needed to go and put it back into the market. So that's when I started building my own personal portfolio, bought a number of uh, bought a number of properties up in the Northeast here, some properties here in the lower mainland, and, and then branched out into a number of commercial opportunities across North America. And really, that's that's what got me got me hooked, and and that was my first introduction into the uh, the commercial real estate world, uh, investing in pri- in these private equity real estate deals, which I really liked, mm. and uh, that's when I came. That's when I started Hawkeye Wealth. It's uh, to, to focus exclusively on these on these private uh, commercial uh, opportunities, which I really liked. So maybe. A, Interesting. I, I yeah. don't know if you were expecting that kind no, of long-winded answer. No, that's by that. That's a perfect answer, and I, I'm I'm not surprised that Netflix was one of your business busiest or one of your one of your biggest obstacles. Yeah, no uh, kidding. But <laughs> I am struck with um, you know knowing you uh, decently well, Justin, uh, by how you needed that fire to be lit under you to to kind of get going. But you're a really entrepreneurial guy. Like it couldn't have been that hard. You seem to have a lot of energy and a lot of uh, you know, always uh, thinking about the next move. So it's uh, it's habits. It's habits. Instead of when you when you wake up and and you know you have your breakfast, instead of you know turning on Netflix, you go and turn on something else. I don't know. <laughs> right, yeah. you, you just you just change what you do, and and over time that adds up to results. What it so? And I'm just always curious because I mean, Matt and I are obviously self employed, and and uh, we've learned how to. F- we all have to figure out being an entrepreneur and figuring out how to build a business. But what was the, did you have a mentor? Did you, uh, was there a book that you read? Like what actually, 
what actually kind of shaped those early years to get you going and maybe get you off the couch other than the fact that your wife was saying you got to get a job well i'd be i'd be remiss to not uh thank my wife she's been she's been a huge part of that anytime you go and you leave a steady paycheck uh for something that is is certainly not steady and and not sure um i i couldn't be any more uh, grateful for that. So she was in there with me for as long as was needed to be the steady paycheck. Um, but I know, I know you were joking here, but it's true. And I'm, I'm sure many entrepreneurs have uh, experienced the same. Another uh, great mentor for me was a gentleman named Dave Steele, who was a, uh, a big part of that here. I always, Past guest. Past guest, yes, Dave yes, Steele. Yes, yes, and, yes. And, and one thing I remember, well, there's a few things I remember about Dave here, but one, one, <laughs> one thing was, Justin, you, you want to know, where the main source of stress is for most people, lack of action. I thought you were going to say in your shoulders, <laughs> but no, lack of action. What a beauty. <laughs> nice one, Adam. <laughs> now that you mention it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, very, actually, it's very insightful. <laughs> you look that's, a little tense. That's deep. Uh, <laughs> no, lack of action. Sorry. That's, no, actually, no, it, that's actually it, a it great point. It, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily come from from the long to do list. It comes from not doing anything. The, you know, the the things pile up, and and it's not it's not the mountain ahead of you, but it's the fact that you're sitting there looking at the mountain ahead of you without without stepping. Once you start stepping, the energy really really comes. That that's one thing I learned from Dave. The other is when I first got into this business, and I, I told you I was struggling making the sales. The first project we ever did, I uh, a big part of that that uh, ten thousand was was one sale that uh, paid a good uh, a good chunk of that. And I will, the next project was coming down the pipe and, and I was talking with my wife and I was thinking, you know, how many units would I like to go out and what's, you know, what's my goal to go out and, and help investors purchase. And I was thinking, you know, if I could do two this time around, that would be really nice, right. uh, you know, du- double it up. Right. And, and we went to the sales meeting with the developer, Dave Steele was the, uh, the developer. Um, and you're going around and he's talking to the different salespeople and he says, you know, how many are you going to sell? And, you know, the person might say five, six, seven, and, and, you know, and then hey, you, 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 and he's going around the room and it gets, starts to come over to me and I'm sitting here <laughs> thinking about my two. Nobody said two at that meeting. And, and uh, I'm sitting here just saying, you know, what, what do I say? I'm like, so he comes to me and, and then just comes in my mouth. I'm like, four. And I say it kind of pretty confidently, right? Because you want to come off like like you believe like you believe what you're saying. So so I said four, and 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 immediately I look over at Dave, and he just kind of looks sad, and he's like, Justin, I'm kind of disappointed. I thought you were gonna say like ten, and I was just I was just blown away because at at first I was like, man. I'm glad I didn't say two. <laughs> and then and then second, I started thinking, do I really just underestimate myself and what I'm capable of? And, and as entrepreneurs uh, and as investors, I think we, we do. We're very bad judges oftentimes of what we're capable of. So I said, you know, one of us is going to be right. Either I'm going to sell two or four, or I'm just wrong and I'm capable of selling 10. And I just 
And how many do you uh, do? So I got to work and I ended up selling 14 units uh, in that development. And and for me to have somebody that saw something in me and potential in me uh, was massive uh, for me at that point. And I've taken that uh, taken that lesson with me ever since. It's actually so incredible that your mentor was was Dave Steele because we've had him on the program. And I actually I had lunch with Dave uh, a couple weeks back. And I think I took more away even just from that lunch, like so many, so many ideas and good ideas. First of all, he's so organized. Like the guy has his, he brings every time he, he comes to a meeting, he's got his, his book and he's got, you know, a bunch of names and his lists of things he has. He's got a really meticulous system. He explained it to me and it was like, there was a method there. I, I couldn't figure it out myself, but it keeps him super organized. But the second thing is he was, uh, he told me that, uh, I'd had a bad sleep the night before and he said, well, he had talked to this sleep specialist and they said they were having a quick meeting with this guy. It was him and a couple other uh, people in his network. And they said, you know, just save us all the, you know, all the, all the regular stuff. Just give us what's the one thing that we can do to improve our sleep. And the guy said that what happens is that people will often, you know, if you have a bunch of stuff that you need to do in a day, um, you, you'll go to, if you don't write it down, you'll go to sleep with it. And you'll think about it all night. I got to call that person, or I got to, I got to, I got to uh, meet somebody. This is or, getting things done. I think. Yeah, this that's is getting David, that's things David done. Allen. Yeah, this David is David Allen. Allen. I know yeah. What you're talking and about, so, yeah. and his thing was, you know what? Just put a put a notepad beside the bed and write it down, and instantly it will go away, and you, you're going to have a sound sleep. And so, yeah, Dave had some sound advice. Maybe it was David Allen. That was uh, <laughs> yeah, he had read that. It's a good name. He also had Dave a great Steele book stands re- recommendation. On the shoulders of giants. He does, yeah. But he he reads a lot. He's uh, he's he's super. I mean, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Justin, can you tell us kind of? It's first of all, it sounds like you you were at a pretty successful career, specifically working with investors. You move uh, to start your own company. Can you tell us a little bit more about what Hawkeye Wealth does? Yeah, Hawkeye Wealth specializes in helping investors get involved in uh, commercial real estate deals. So, so you've got a couple types of real estate. You can go and you can buy the the single unit, which is you know a condo, townhome, single family home, uh, or you can go and do commercial real estate, which includes things like multifamily, uh, which is the the bigger apartment buildings, uh, industrial, retail, uh, or office. And then there's a number of ways that you can invest in each of those commercial deals. Here, do you do you buy it and flip it? Do you buy it and and hold it? Do you invest in the development of, of one of those commercial opportunities? Or uh, final, do you, do you hold debt and, and lend uh, on these types of deals here? So we focus on that commercial space, multifamily, industrial, uh, retail, and, and office. Don't, don't do retail as much. We can talk about that later, perhaps. Um, but again, you can go and, and buy and hold those assets or, or develop. And there's a few different ways you can make money doing that. So what we do is we, we look for people that are putting together these types of opportunities and we help investors get involved in those opportunities because uh, oftentimes they're a little bit big for individual investors to take down on their own. They might be three, five, eight, ten, fifteen million dollar deals, sometimes even a little bit larger. And of course, everyone comes down and they'll pick an amount of, of capital that they're comfortable investing in a project like this, usually through a limited partnership structure and uh, invest in the uh, commercial deal alongside a number of other investors. Hypothetically, um, you, an investor comes to you, you have a deal. Do you actually, do they give you a certain amount of funds and it's like, Hey, come tell me about it in a year or two, or are you actually putting a specific deal in front of them and saying, this deal is a deal that we think is a good opportunity for you? Um, like how involved are the, are your clients? 
So it's it's on a deal by deal basis. So if there's there's an opportunity, let's say there's a uh, a nice multifamily apartment building down in the U.S., uh, there will be a specific apartment building that the investors come and, and we present to them, and they say, "I li- I like this building." Uh, they will then invest a certain amount of cap, you know, pick an amount of capital that they're comfortable with, uh, invest that uh, into the unit. We don't take the funds directly. The funds go directly from the investors to the third party uh, issuers uh, that we work with, and uh, then the issuers will keep them in in the loop as the project unfolds and, and as returns are generated. And and so some of these deals, though, you purchase and it's potentially a long-term hold. You'll be involved in this transaction for, say, 15, 20 years. Usually it's not as, as long as 15 or 20 years, but it's certainly it's certainly possible. And, and most of these are definitely longer-term plays. There's a few that are going to be maybe a year or two, but pretty typical or standard in this space is, is around that five-year mark. But it could certainly be longer or shorter than that. And it's really about designing a portfolio so that... So that you're, you know, if you're going to need money next year, that you don't have all your money in these types of assets. But for the money that isn't going to go and need to, you know, buy the new car next year or send Molly to college uh, next year, definitely these types of opportunities are, are finding their way into many sophisticated investors' portfolios. So, can we talk a little bit? So, I'm so if I was a client and I wanted to invest in maybe one of the multifamily projects that you have on the go, it's about a three-year outlook. I would. I, in terms of probably from uh, maybe taking money to completion of the project, for example, there would be an annualized return on, on the money that I invest, kind of a projection, I would imagine. Yeah, and it really depends. It it varies on a deal by deal basis, and there, and right. every deal has has different um, different uh, qualities. Some some will do annual distributions, some will do quarterly distributions, some will have have no distributions, and it's purely purely a growth play. Uh, one of one of the issuers that we work with, uh, for example, those multifamily buildings will do an annual will do an annual cash flow distribution. Those have ranged anywhere from uh, on average maybe six seven eight percent per year between all the buildings uh, that they've done. And then uh, in addition to that, what they do is is the opportunity in multifamily and commercial real estate is to go and, and buy undervalued assets. The strategy we really like right now is, is, the, is the value add model where you go and you find a building that's performing not, not as well, you purchase it. And as you go and you either increase the rents or decrease the expenses, what that does is that increases the net operating income of the building. And how commercial real estate is valued is, is a function of how much net operating income it spits out. Right. So if it makes more money, it's worth, it's worth more money. So the model is to go find the one that's being underoperated, increase that net operating income. Uh, of course, that increases your annual cash flow distributions. And the nice part is there's also an opportunity to, to refinance as, as you go and you increase the value of that building, uh, refinance a, a big portion of that cash out. And we've had a lot of success doing that in particular in the US right now. So just thinking about getting back to, to how when you started Hawkeye Wealth, um, so it sounds like you're you're not in the business of finding these opportunities. You're in the business of finding people that are very good at finding these opportunities. Can you just talk about how, how you developed them? I'm kind of interested about how you, de- how you developed your business that way. Right, right. Yeah, you've, you've got options. So, when, so there's a couple of routes that I could have, have gone when I started Hawkeye Wealth. The other option for me was to go and join another firm. Uh, and, and that was certainly a, a legitimate option. And what I really wanted to do and, and what made me decide to start Hawkeye in the first place was control over the deals, control over the opportunities, because I'd, I'd met a lot of good people and, and I'd raised a lot of money over the years. And you, you go and you, you start to gain, gain trust with a large portion of people. And the biggest risk I have is having a 
deal go sideways and that trust that I've spent years developing is is gone just like that, right? So really, for me, my job is to go and find exactly, as you said, go and find the best issuers, the best deal providers that are out there and uh, and go and bring those to my investors. And, and I uh, it's not that I'll, I'll never do my own deals, but there's a couple of things here. If I did do my own deals, I'd have to be able to look my investors in, in the whites of their eyes and, and tell them that this is what I believe is the best deal out there. And it's not the best just because it's mine, but it's the best because it's the best. And if I if I can't say that and and sleep at night and feel like I've, I've told the truth that way, well, why wouldn't I work with those that are that are the best? And so that's what I've made it my job to do: go out and find, go out and find the best uh, best providers of these various commercial real estate opportunities, and, and bring those to my investors. And then the other the other part of that really is it's also important for those issuers to have a check and balance, for there to be a check and balance here. And and our job at Hawkeye is 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 to make sure that they're doing what what they say that they're going to do. We get to we get to play that role and it's actually part of the reason I called the firm Hawkeye. Haw- Hawks are known for their for their vigilance, right? And our investors really count on us cuz just because an issuer's been good uh, in the past, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be good in the future. What happens oftentimes is if investors do very well with a particular deal or issuer and and they keep on making money, maybe they're they tend to go a little bit overweight uh, in in that opportunity. They'll want to put all their money in and they get a little bit extra, you know, get, they get a little bit maybe too gung-ho and we're there to Tell them to maybe pump roll back a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pump the brakes a little bit. And also, also just because something's performed well, very well in the past doesn't mean it's going to perform as well in the future. And, and the issuers may not be incentivized to say that. So it's just really, we're, we're there as the third-party independent uh, voice for the investors. And I really like keeping it that way. And I think our investors appreciate it. So it sounds like you guys are are investing in the US and Canada. Is there any anything outside of North America or is it primarily North America right now? All US and Canada, unless unless the opportunities we found completely dried up on on this side of the world, just regulatory wise and and uh, for area of expertise that we have uh, reside within Canada and, and the US. And where and where are you seeing the opportunities right now? Well, we we see a number of opportunities out there. So so I mean, what's happening here locally uh, in the Vancouver market here, and, and I'm sure you guys can attest to things have started to, to slow down a little bit here. A lot of the developers that uh, used to just go put a, a flyer out on a new pre-sale, uh, there used to be lineups around the block, and, and that's changed here over the last six months uh, to a year. So I think locally, if you're, you know, if you're just the investor that wants to go and buy an individual unit, I think there's some opportunities uh, out there, whether it's th- you know through buying an assignment or through... Uh, through working with a developer that just needs to get those final few sales to reach a, a threshold for their construction financing. So I see some opportunity here in the local market for that. Um, also see some opportunity locally here uh, in Vancouver in the commercial space, just for a couple reasons. Number one, there's there's less government interference in that place. The the anger and, and outrage is around the affordability problem. The affordability problem, you know, it, it's not the it's not the renters that are complaining in the commercial space like they are in the residential space. One area in particular in the commercial space that we really like is industrial. We're, we're working on a few opportunities that we have coming down the pipe in the industrial space, and they're very hard uh, to get your hands on. Really, there's just a dramatic shortage of it, of land for industrial. And as bad as it is for resident, there's you, you've heard it time and time again. There's there's not enough land for the residential, sure. and as as true as that is in residential, it's even 
uh, way more the case with industrial here. So as as that land dries up and as the way business is done change, uh, changes, the Amazons of the world, the online ordering and, and this this appetite for, for warehouses and these types of products goes up. It's just a space that we really like uh, over the long term. And then if you go outside, your, your, your next option is to go outside of, uh, of the lower mainland, really. And what do we like? Well, we like uh, the U.S. quite a bit. We still think it makes a, a lot of sense in a number of these markets. As, as I'd mentioned, we've done a number of apartment buildings da- down there, and we continue to do so. Uh, it's, it's a very large market. It's 10 times the size of Canada. Actually, my, fa- my family and I rented uh, an RV last year and, and traveled all 48 uh, U.S. states. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Went and, and, uh, saw... How long did that take? Yeah, well, we'd, we'd rented the RV for four months, but we... I, I... I kind of missed work a little bit here, so I, I uh, hit the gas when I hit Texas. We did it in clockwise motion, and and I was ready to to get home. So wow, we did, that's we ended incredible, up in, though. Yeah, ended up doing it in three months. <laughs> yeah, but wait, shaved the whole <laughs> month off. Well, yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice to go in and see a lot of these cities, right? right? So when someone talks about Atlanta or they talk about Dallas or they talk about New York or Pittsburgh or or Seattle or Portland or you, you, you name it, uh, you know, we we've We've kind of seen, got a point of reference. Yeah, there. yeah. It just you, you get a feel for it, right? And that was uh, very nice. Uh, not just to spend time with the family. We we brought our uh, our toddler along with us, our eighteen month old, uh, at the time here. But it was good to spend time with family, but also good to get a a sense on on what's happening in the market here. So I, we still really like a lot of those opportunities in the U.S. It's a large market. There's a, a significant number of these buildings still that fit that criteria I was telling you about, where they're being underoperated. They haven't had a, a reno in in decades. It seems. The owners made a lot of money just because the market's gone up, but they've left a lot of meat on the bone because they don't have to to go and do sure. all the hard work to lift the net operating right. income to cut the expenses. They've made their money uh, just just watching the market rise, which makes it a great environment for going and, and finding these buildings here. So we, we still really like that market uh, and particularly multifamily in that market. Anything in Canada? Uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And, and we're, what we're looking for and our focus is on niches uh, that cash flow. And and really what we've seen here is a, a shift in the sentiment around uh, real estate in Canada. And it's, it's come from a number of reasons, but in big part, it's actually come from uh, government exuberance. Is, is that the word? Is that the word? Yeah, that's, that's, the, right. that's the word. I'll, <laughs> that's uh, the word. <laughs> exuberance uh, in the government to, to intervene in the market here. We've seen a few things happen. We've seen uh, the fixed le- lease contracts uh, came to an end uh, earlier this year, which uh, stops your ability to be able to go and and, and set a, a lease for a, a predetermined amount of time and then go and, and reset reset the rents at the end of that lease. Um, and then they've just recently changed uh, the degree to which you're able to uh, raise rents. Right. Yeah. Now it's just a two percent this year. Right? Yeah. 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 It's the uh, it's it's at the rate of inflation. It used to be rate of inflation uh, on the consumer price index plus two percent, and now that plus two percent gone right. is uh, is gone now. So so what we like is any niche where we can get significant cash flow because I think the investor's ability to count on the returns that they used to be able to count on in terms of uh, appreciation. Or in terms of paying down your mortgage, even a year or two ago, when you were getting those those low mid two percent interest rates, 
you were paying down your mortgage, uh, if you were putting down 20, 25%, you were getting somewhere around a seven, eight, nine percent return from just paying down your principal every month. And that seven, eight, nine percent is now closer to, you know, maybe three, you know, three, four percent. So, so the numbers have changed. So what are those niches where you're really able to get a, a lot of yield? And, and there's a few different options out there. Is it, is it, um, is it seniors care? Is it uh, self storage? Uh, is it um, luxury furnished rentals? We have an opportunity to do luxury furnished rentals. You know, for example, a unit out in in Langley or or the Fraser Valley that you might buy for four or five hundred thousand dollars. It might rent unfurnished for eighteen, nineteen hundred, two thousand uh, right now, uh, where you're able to instead of renting it for that amount, maybe you're able to go and rent it out for four thousand, forty one hundred, forty two hundred dollars. And if you're able to get that yield. You're you're still able to get a reasonable return on your money without without counting on on the appreciation uh, as much. And if you get the appreciation, because as much as I I, I always think, how can Vancouver go higher? It it continues to uh, surprise you. Let it, me guess. Well, it it, it it does and it doesn't. I, I I would have said it continued to surprise me the last five times I was wrong. <laughs> so it just it just doesn't surprise me anymore. But it's a time I would be hedging my bets, and uh, you do that through getting opportunities that uh, that yield. So so whether that's in the Fraser Valley or looking to some other markets in Canada, uh, I know uh, I've listened to some of the other podcasts too, and and with a couple of other people I know I really like Ottawa. Yep. Uh, some some of those markets uh, in Ontario, especially with the new government, that uh, might be might be slightly uh, less exuberant. Uh, is that the <laughs> less exuberant on on regulating the uh, the sector and and kind of letting the market do its thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've heard we've definitely heard Ottawa on this. Uh, we've talked about it on the program before, and we've also talked about Montreal as a yep. as a market that's on fire right now. Absolutely, a lot of a lot of uh, Asian investors, uh, a lot of Asian money coming into sure. uh, Montreal right now. Sure, right. and uh, we had actually an interesting conversation. I think last time that we had lunch, where you were talking about Winnipeg and and luxury and luxury rentals. rentals. I seems like an oxymoron, but go on. <laughs> You guys are from Winnipeg, aren't you? Yeah, but that was, that was a, yeah. yeah I guess so we can, can we can that. make jokes like that. But well, well, Winnipeg has a a very strongly regulated uh, rental market, and I say strongly, and and I mean that in every negative way. Uh, I can <laughs> I go can, on. I can mean it. Yeah. So so the problem is right now. Okay. So so listen to this. We had we had an interest rate rise uh, today, right? So let's do, let's do the math on an annual basis. Uh, you're paying, so it goes up 0.25%, right? Uh, you're pay, that means you're paying an extra $250 a year for every $100,000 in mortgage balance that you have. Sure. So let's talk about BC just for a second, and then I'll tie it back to, I'll tie it back to Winnipeg. So if you buy a property, let's say you buy it in the Fraser Valley or, or, you know, you buy a property in, in Vancouver here and you have a $4,000 mortgage balance, that's an extra increase of $1,250 a year interest expense that, uh, that you're going to have. Um, now if you work that out onto a monthly basis, that's just over a hundred dollars a month, right? Right. Now let's take, let's take that, uh, and compare that with the rents. Now I'm going to get there guys. I'm going to get there. So, so your ability now to raise rents, say, say you can raise rents, uh, two and a half percent. And if your rents are, are, uh, 2000, $2,000, what is that? To, what is two and a half percent? It'd be something like 50, $50. $50 a month or something that uh, you'd be able to raise rents by. Okay, so I've just told you that this one rate increase, 100 bucks a month, your ability to raise rents, 
fifty dollars a month. Right now, now why do I like the the luxury furnished rental space, and why and why do I not mind Winnipeg? Winnipeg's got r- bad rules, just like. BC. It's got it's uh, very very tenant friendly, and because of that, a lot of investors have, have stayed out of there, and it's and it's limited supply. So so Winnipeg, uh, we view it as a very very steady eddy economy, and and also with particularly with the luxury furnished uh, rental niche, what you're able to do is your average tenant duration is somewhere closer to the two or three month mark. It's not a one year lease. So by by its very nature, someone comes, it's a corporate rental and they stay there, you know, they're there on the job for two or three months or it's an insurance claim rental where a tree falls on their house and they need a place to stay for two or three months while it gets repaired. But then guess what? Sayonara. They're gone. They're gone. And what are you able to do? You're able to reset, you're able to reset rents to market. So a lot of the reasons that, that have chased people and chased investors out of Winnipeg uh, don't necessarily apply with this model. And, and, and that's also why I like the model in BC. That's why I like it in, in, in Winnipeg, as I just said. And that's why I like it in, in Ontario, where the, the regulations are, are pretty heavy. So it's a turnover, really, is kind of the, the key to it. You got it. And okay, so that that's really interesting. So, and you're working with people that are are presumably involved in that space. Correct. Yep. 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 We have an opportunity. Yeah, uh, that we're we have a group that we're working with in that space to to acquire a portfolio of properties in in these markets, and and investors will go and and uh, invest in in this portfolio of properties. So, just thinking back to all the opportunities you're talking about here, Justin, if somebody's you know a Vancouver resident wants to get involved in the u.s is there how do you deal with the currencies right right well a lot of a lot of our clients well first of all i would say a lot of people wish they'd invested in the u.s back in you know 2010 2011 2012 and 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 when the when the currencies were at par and you're all nodding your heads because we all we all wish we would have done that. We would, <laughs> yeah. we, we would have made a killing. And then and what I find is a lot of people that if that if currency is their main concern, it's more just because they're angry that they didn't do more uh, back then. And it's not necessarily a, a a decision that's made based on on how how good it's going to be moving forward. Now, the, the really the reality is is. Well, two things here. Number one, a lot of investors that have accumulated quite a bit of wealth really like the idea of having their money in, in two or three currencies. It's, sure. it's very, very common to do. So so they're not as worried as much about the exchange rate as they're worried about inflation and, and just all, all the concerns that come with only holding one currency. So I think for many people, the diversification play is actually a risk mitigation uh, factor on on the currency side. And the other part is is is... In a perfect world, everybody's able to to get the portfolio they need in their own backyard, invest in their own backyard if it if it makes sense. But it, in a lot of time, a lot of times, it makes sense to go somewhere else. The numbers are better somewhere else, and and you should be getting a little bit of a premium to go somewhere else because again, if you're making the same amount of money locally and it's easy, and a lot of people will just choose choose locally, right? But everyone's got a different amount of premium that they require to go somewhere else. And the premium maybe required to go to Alberta maybe isn't as big as, as the premium required to go to the U.S. And you know, have to file the U.S. tax return, which, which you know, is a little bit of extra work. It's not crazy as, as, some, as some people might think it is. Um, but that requires a premium. And what we found is people that are going into the U.S., the premium has been uh, worth it, and it may not be worth it for everyone. And it's certainly you have people that just hate Trump, and it doesn't matter what you say; they're they're not going to invest sure. in the U.S. But if if people can uh, can get over that, uh, they've they've found very uh, lucrative opportunities down there. 
And, and, you know, we've had people talk about the U.S. on the podcast. They're really bullish on places like Atlanta. Is there, are there certain cities you're, you're looking at? Yeah, there's a there's a number of cities that I really like. Like I said, I was just just in a lot of them here. So so uh, there's a number of cities in in the northwest I like. I like Seattle. Seattle's just continues. It's to, on fire. Right oh, now. it yeah. conti- continues to go crazy. A lot of the a lot of the foreign investors that came in to the lower mainland the second the foreign buyers tax came in, uh, they just it was it was crazy how quick it happened. How quick Seattle saw a, a boost in in their sales. Also, really like Portland um, as as a as a market, uh, but but another another few markets I've done a lot of deals in that I still continue to like. Uh, I like Phoenix. A couple of those markets in Texas is it is it Houston? Is it San Antonio? Is it Dallas? Um, is it Atlanta? A little bit farther out east, maybe a couple of markets in Florida. A couple of markets in uh, in North Carolina as well. You got uh, Raleigh, which is a, a great great town. If you want to go kind up, of a, a university bit. town, right? Yeah, Raleigh. yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's a one. Wonderful, wonderful place, and uh, and then there's a couple of other markets too. You know, in 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 uh, Minnesota, uh, that, around that area too. So, Justin, so you know, we've talked to a lot of people about the states, and it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity. We are a lot of people make the case that we're getting a little bit late in that cycle in the U.S. Um, can you talk about how your investment strategy kind of safeguards a, a, against that a bit? And I'm thinking specifically about the rehabbing. Uh, you having multifamily? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, again in the U.S. The prices certainly have have come up a lot, and I think that a couple things need to happen. I think a uh, expect expectations need to to change a little bit on the investor side. I know a lot of investors have uh, enjoyed extraordinary returns, and uh, I, I think that the ability to go and and expect those same returns, I think, is is a uh, a bad assumption. So, so if you're going and you're living a lifestyle as if 30, 40% on your money is, is a normal thing. Well, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, For the love of God. <laughs> uh, but getting back to, getting back to your point, the model isn't, and, and the reason the returns have been so good is because you've had such a, a massive market tailwind, right? Uh, but the cool part about what the commercial space allows you to do is it allows you, instead of just relying on the market to get that appreciation, you're able to go and do what's called forced appreciation. And, and forced appreciation is as simple as, as I was telling you before, it's raising the rents. And you do that through doing you know, minor renovations in the unit to increase the rents for $75 a unit. Is that adding washers and dryers uh, to the unit to increase the rents, maybe $40, $50, $60 uh, per unit? Each of those things go and, and really add, add up. So just to give you an idea, the, the valuations of, of uh, multifamily commercial real estate are, are done differently than, than how they're done for just buying an, in, sure. an individual unit. They're, they're literally play, priced as a function of how much income they spit out. And so you're not reliant on comparables in the area. It's, that, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a balance it, it, sheet. It, there's there's a little bit of a there's a it's it's taken into account the the comparables right. in, in the area. But when the bank goes and you're going to do a refinance on your unit, how are they going to appraise your unit? They're going to appraise it based on usually what, what would be typical is your three month trailing earnings. So so on the, on the net operating income side. So it's very much the the metric used to to determine value in that building. And the cool part, the way the math works out. Let's say every market is different on how much money an investor expects to have to spend to to earn a certain return. In Vancouver, they're having to get a low return. You have to spend 
a lot of money. It's it's called what's called a cap rate. So if in Vancouver it's a it's a two percent cap rate, um, the amount of money that the investor has to invest to get that two percent returns a lot higher than in a market like Phoenix or San Antonio where it might be closer to a five six percent cap rate. But let's just take an example where where a market's at a at a six percent cap rate. And if you don't know what a cap rate is, guys, just go Google it anywhere. And we've we've pockets. talked about cap rates yeah. exhaustively yeah. on the show. So. Yeah, I won't. Yeah, I won't. Uh, won't get into it here. But the way the math works is is let's say you're in a six cap market where you install a washer and dryer and that washer and dryer allows you to go and increase your rents by $50 okay, per month. That's $600 a year. And in a six cap market, that one installation of a washer and dryer that you did increases the value of that unit by $10,000. Okay. So when you find a unit that is literally ready for a washer and dryer, plug and play, it's all plumbed, ready to go. And somebody hasn't installed a washer and dryer for, well, first of all, you kind of shake your head and then you get really excited, right? Because for people that can't see Justin, he was um, very excited, <laughs> fist pumping. Yeah. Well, no, wa- no, washers and dryers get me going, guys. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, and it's, and it's because of this basic math, whether it's a, a, a renovation or it's a washer and dryer, or it's just a, an owner that has, has not raised rents forever because they're out of the state. And, and, and if they're out, of, you know, if they're not directly involved, if they're not managing the the property manager what tends to happen is the rents don't the rents don't get raised the rents have gone up dramatically in a lot of these markets and if you're a property manager and you don't have to have the hard conversation with the tenant that their rents are are going up significantly next year and we and we really like the markets where you're able to raise those rents to to market rents then then you're not going to have the conversation so so a lot of these owners in particular ones that aren't that aren't local they just don't have the conversation and it's been you know it's been a year is it a two years since they aggressively managed the rents and 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 uh there's a lot of money that's being left on the table but again they've made some good money as they've uh, a lot of people ask then why would they why would they not add the washer and dryer why would they not increase the rents well you know somebody's 70 80 years old and they've made millions of dollars on on the unit maybe they're just don't have the energy. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot of work, right? So yeah, again, uh, we work with groups that have done this a number of times, and and uh, and are ve- are very good at at doing these value add plays. So that takes the risk out because, or I shouldn't say it takes the risk out entirely. There's risk in in everything that we do, but it gives you a really solid buffer on the value of that building simply based on the fact that you went in, you plugged in some washers and dryers, you did some lipstick renovations, you had you you had the property manager to have the hard conversation with the tenants to to bring rents to a reasonable level in these markets or at least where market is and 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 that uh, is one of the biggest risk mitigating factors in this whole strategy uh, right now and if you're cash flowing if you're if you're in a market where you're getting very serious cash flow then then you know it just allows you to further weather those storms fantastic that, that was great advice yeah and you know what maybe just one last question about uh, the opportunities you're seeing uh, it sounds like you're very familiar with northeast bc and obviously we've had the lng uh, announcement uh, very recently your thoughts on your where you came from where your career started <laughs> very excited uh very excited i own a number of properties up there myself so obviously I, I was actually in uh i was in shanghai when the news dropped and i looked outside and and as i was looking out of my tower it's smog it's smog everywhere and i was just so pleased to see this because the majority of of china's electricity is still generated by coal 
and it's it's crazy. It's crazy when you look outside and there's smog everywhere, and you come back and and you just you feel a little bit dirty at the end of the day because of how bad the air quality is. How awesome is it that we've got an LNG plant in in BC, one of the most environmentally responsible places around to to develop natural resources? That's going to send that to China. And that's going to give them a cleaner fuel and 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 clean up their air. So it's good. It's good for the world. First of all, I hope everyone understands that because there's been a lot of opposition on the climate side. And and guys, I, I'm in China every 12 to 18 months. My my wife's from Shanghai, and I, I'm telling you, this is a good thing for the for the air we all breathe as a world. So hey, that's that's number one. Number two, for for the the knee jerk reaction and and. Um, for a lot of investors was to go and, and buy in Kitimat. And there's nothing wrong with going and buying in Kitimat. They're, they're going to bring in thousands of jobs for the construction uh, of these of these uh, developments. And, and and what you were seeing in the headlines was that all of the units were sold out. Right, yeah, multiple offers. and you know. it, it just went crazy, right? Because the knee-jerk reaction is to go to where, where, uh, where the immediate action is. What people don't realize is there's a pipeline that, that well, sure, yes, the end is in, the end is in Kitimat, but it goes all the way to northeast BC, Fort St. John, Dawson Creek on the Alberta side there. You've got Grand Prairie. That's where all the gas comes from. And the reason we really like that is, well, on the northwest, you're going to bring in thousands of jobs to go and, and construct this plant. It's going to take two, three, four hundred jobs to actually operate the plant. So the people that you had as renters when you when when you go and you buy there and the rents are going to go crazy, they just they just are. But the people that you had as renters, the chances that your renter was one of the people constructing the plant and not one of the ones that gets the, you know, wins, wins the lottery yeah. and gets one of those two or 300 jobs once the plant's operational, most likely chances are you're going to lose, you're going to lose your renter. So not that it's not going to be very good for the next number of years. It, I, I do believe it is going to be very good for the next uh, number of years, but you're, you're playing a little bit of musical chairs on the sales side and it's, it becomes a very difficult for investors, uh, time for investors to decide when to sell. Cause when you're in these smaller markets, liquidity becomes the issue. Um, if you don't buy into, mm-hmm. if you don't sell into one of these exciting times, uh, like has just happened right now, right? So, so again, um, I I I like the Kitimat play, um, but it's not it's not for me. When I'm looking at deals, I want to be at places where I can go for for decades, not years. And and really, if you follow the pipeline back and you look at uh, Northeast BC. Those jobs, drilling and, and getting the gas out of the ground, are are multi-decade jobs, and it actually takes a lot more people to get the stuff out of the ground than it does to operate the plant in Kitimat. So I think the long-term play uh, is in Fort St. John and Dawson Creek. My my excitement was, I, I'm, I'm st- the writing's on the wall for the Northeast. It's going to be good. What I would what I would tell investors is that anytime you're in a cyclical market, um, the the recent government changes are are going to impact those. So it's going to be good. But but also keep in mind one thing: with fixed price, uh, sorry, with fixed lease contracts gone, and your your ability to go and raise rents more limited, uh, they've, they've cut out that the extra 2% that you were able to get. What happens in these markets, and, and I think it's going to be good for a long time, but when these markets come down, of course, the government isn't, isn't there propping you up when... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they don't limit the decreases. The, la- the landlords yeah. don't go in revolt and, and the government says, don't worry, landlords, we're going to hand you some money. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. So, so when you make your money in these markets in these great times, so when the markets go up, um, and, and if you've, if you've wrote it down, a lot of your tenants uh, are just going to, they're going to stay in there. Uh, it's going to, you're going to have a hard time getting them out. 
and and you can only raise the rents by a nominal amount. So so these these changes, while they were made for Vancouver, I think they uh, they slightly more adversely uh, affect the more cyclical markets because your ability your inability to get rents back to market and and make times in the good. Now now that being said, um, there's always turnover. Uh, and people move for different reasons. So you're going to make money in the Northeast right now. I, and I'm very excited about it. I own a number of properties in there. The vacancies are going to be gone here over the, over the coming years. That'll push the rents up. And as you do turnover, you know, you'll be able to get your rents up. But I just, I, I say that so investors keep in mind. It no, seems that's fantastic advice. Yeah, and it seems ripe for corporate rentals right now. I mean, at, in yeah. moving forward, right, in years to come. Uh, it seems like having a relationship with a property management company that can provide corporate rentals would be uh, would be a, a good idea in terms of turnover. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of money to be made up there uh, over the number of years. And, and as you say, as you're saying, uh, and I guess that was to you bring it up, but you bring up uh, the the point earlier where when you're turning over more often, you're able to adjust rents to market sure, uh, right. as needed. So you're, you're bang on. I think that is an excellent opportunity up there. And I know uh, D- Dave Steele's uh, heav- heavily involved up there. And and, and I know uh, because I'm, I'm in, I've bought a number of properties uh, from, from Dave with Western, with Western Canadian Properties Group. So uh, they're very good on the furnished side at going and, and putting together these, um, putting together these, these programs where, where tenants can come in and, and rent furnished as, as needed. So um, maybe before we let you go, Justin, you've had a, uh, a very successful career year to date. Um, can you talk maybe about some of your, your failures along the way or some mistakes that, you, that have really helped you kind of redirect? And we've got a lot of people, obviously, that listen to the show that are starting out their investment career, and uh, they, they love to learn from the mistakes. <laughs> uh, I think that... You know, I think the biggest mistakes I've made is, is being a little overconfident in my ability to predict the future. Matt has that problem yeah. too. <laughs> they actually, call me Nostradamus. That's what I call myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I and I found uh, earlier on in my in my career that that overconfidence is um, it stops me from doing what I think the most important thing to do is, which is design and build your portfolio in a way that no matter what happens coming forward, you're going to be okay. Because what happens is if you get too overconfident in one thing, and you know maybe we're overconfident in an LNG plant going through, or we're overconfident in in the LRT in Surrey going through, so we go and we we load up on on properties along the LRT, and then Doug McCallum gets in and he's like, just, no, just kidding, we're building yeah. a sky, <laughs> we're we're building a sky train. That overconfidence uh, leads to overconcentration, and uh, I found that personally, and I found that with a number of of my investors, and and I, I think that a when you try and take the emotion a little bit more out of it, and and you get a little bit more rational about the about the design of your portfolio, that maybe maybe you think you're you're not optimizing your returns, but I think over the long term you certainly are are, are and and b you're. You're designing it in a way that when your head hits the pillow at night, you're not you're not too worried about what happens tomorrow. You know, if the government changes or or markets change, things change, right? And I think that there are ways that you can design your portfolios out there to be just fine, no matter what what comes uh, at you. That's fantastic advice, uh, especially coming out of years here in Vancouver where you could throw a dart at the map and, and basically come out looking like an investing genius. Yeah, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big problem. Again, I've seen the same thing in, in, um, 
in a in a couple of markets, but in particular in Vancouver, where where if you did anything, you're right, you you, you look like a genius, and what it it um, leads you to do is 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 think that you're just going to do the same thing over and over and over and over again, and and uh, you just you get tunnel vision and you stop paying attention to the changes around you, and it just leads to suboptimal decisions, which lead to suboptimal outcomes. Yeah, you have to be humble. Stay humble. So maybe we'll leave it there, but Justin, can you stick around for uh, five wire, five quick questions about Vancouver? Yes, sir. All right, great. So first question, what is your favorite neighborhood? Ooh, Granville Island. Granville Island. I don't know if that's a neighborhood. Spoken but I, like a true tourist. No, I just love, no, 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 no. <laughs> I love Granville Island. I go, I spend time with the, fa- I, don't, I don't know what it is about it, but it, everything I love about Vancouver is is in that little concentrated there's spot a, and I just love it. There's a great, uh, we just had a great breakfast there the other day, but there's a great vintage sports uh, shop there, which is actually really neat. Worth checking out. Question two, Justin, uh, favorite bar or restaurant? And we know you're not a big uh, a big drinker like Adam and I. We focus on the non-alcoholic beer, so we're probably looking at a restaurant here. Yeah, yeah, I know. I get into enough trouble sober. So <laughs> I would say my favorite, uh, I don't know if uh, a lot of your listeners are familiar with, with Chinese foods, but uh, one of my favorite Chinese foods, it's called Shaolongbao. And uh, a number of years ago when I was in Shanghai, my uh, my wife and I literally toured the entire city. It's, it's these juicy pork dumplings and when you eat them that the soup it's just really good guys so <laughs> so uh went around shanghai is is one of the areas where it originated and so we had many many different restaurants and then i had it here in vancouver at a place called uh, lynn restaurant it's on uh i believe it's on west broadway and and i can't ever remember whether it's called lynn or ling but it doesn't it's, matter. It's Lynn. I think it's Lynn. Yeah? Yeah, and the reason is my wife orders it every Christmas. Really? It's open on Christmas, yeah. Yeah. She's a big fan. So so bonus tidbit, get the Kung Pao chicken too because it's the, it's the best around. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's a wow. good, this is a good That's recommendation. For sure. Uh, downtown Penthouse or Westside Mansion? Westside Mansion. That was quick. I think I know the answer to this one. Where is the first place you bring someone from out of town? I was thinking Granville Island, but uh, no, no you're, you're, you stumped them. First place I'd probably bring them, and, and uh, a lot of guests that I bring in are, are from uh, other countries, so I really like to bring them to fly over Canada. It's a fantastic cool. experience. Oh, I've done, I've done that. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've never done it. There. I've heard it's great. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. And, and the last final question, what is something that you've purchased in the last year for under $500 that has been a real game changer in your life? Audible membership. Hey, nice. That's we've never had that answer, but that is a game changer. That is a game changer for us as I well. Was, yeah. I was going to say AirPods because it's AirPods in combination with uh, Audible membership. One of my uh, new habits. I try and I try and set new habits quarterly uh, in in various aspects of my life. And one of the new habits was uh, was a a walking and listening habit. So what it's allowed me to do is 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 uh, listen to good books at about a pace of two books a week. So it's not, I'm not going crazy or anything like that, but my ability to go through content and it just gets your, your head in that right frame of mind for growth. Totally. And being able to go and, and do that at a, every two week uh, pace has uh, really been a, a game changer for me. And the other part is I used to, I used to listen to a lot of audiobooks and I do it in the car. And what I've noticed is that you know, between getting angry at other drivers and changing lanes and all, there's those there's those split seconds where your attention just and you're like, what am, what are they talking about? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it just it just drifts, and then do you rewind it, and then you know does it go back at a whole chapter by accident, and you know you don't know what you've missed. And what I found is when I walk, a couple of things happen. My attention is is more focused because I don't have really anything else going on. And the second part is, is my brain just clears up when I exercise, when I get out in the fresh air. So it's kind of two things. It's 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 the listening to the audiobooks, but it's also combining that with the walking to, to really get your brain going and be completely concentrated on what I'm doing. How much, how long are you walking? This is an everyday habit, presumably. Yeah, this would be typically about half an hour uh, a day. And what I'll do is, is uh, I combine it with the AirPods. Then, you know, if you, if you double click on them, Siri comes on. And, and what I do is, is for me, it's a time to generate ideas uh, and to, to kind of zoom out. And what I do is whenever I'm listening to books, if I'm listening to a book, I, it, it better lead to changes in my, in my life. So I, I try and go and, and take that time to think, what, what do I need to do differently? And what it leads to is a flood of ideas usually on the content that I'm that I'm uh, consuming and I'll double click and I'll tell Siri to send myself a text message and I'll tell Siri what what I you know what my ideas are and uh, then when I get home I go and, and put it onto a master database of of ideas that I think are going to make a positive difference in my life that's that's great advice and and a couple things I'll add I, I I'm, the, I'm the same way I listen to audible almost all the time every time I have a free opportunity and the one thing about it is also if you listen to 1.5 times the speed, you get used to that very quickly. Chipmunky. And uh, no, no, it's not chipmunky. That's the point. But it, 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 you get used to it and you can blow through books even at a, at a quicker pace. I think I'm about a book every two weeks right now, um, which I'm, I'm more than happy with. Cause last year, I mean, when, when is the opportunity presents itself to actually sit down and open a book? For most people, right? We're all busy. Yeah, it's pretty challenging. Uh, it's challenging to find that time, right? And I think walking too. We we do a lot of our calls just out walking around our office. Our office is in Yaletown, and I find that I'm always much more present on the phone when I'm out walking. Any great books you'd recommend that you've read recently? I'm, I'm in the second. middle of Principles ask... by uh, Ray Dalio right now, but I, I think that's a that's a great book. It's a deep dive into rationalism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, and and one but. that is not necessarily a new one, but we mentioned before we went live is the one thing by Gary Keller. I think is a is We're a both fantastic huge book. fans of that book. What's yeah. uh? But that was going to be my follow up to you. You're pumping through two books a week here. <laughs> What's what's a good one you've had? Yeah, well, on the one the, the one the one thing is one of my my favorites of all time. If you haven't uh, read it, it made a, a massive impact on my life. Depends whether you want to go back to the classics. I mean, if you haven't read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, sure, that's uh, and you're not a book reader. It, it, that was a that was a life changer for me. One I've read a little bit more recently that you may not have heard of as much because you know, you've got the classics that if that have thousands of reviews on Amazon, everyone's heard of them. Uh, one that you may not have heard of is a book called uh, Quiet by a lady named Susan Cain. And I have heard of this book, but go on. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, shoot. There it goes. <laughs> no, no, Man. please continue. So, so I uh, really like it because it talks a little bit about the hidden power of introverts and how the world is completely misunderstanding and, and, misutilizing uh, the strengths uh, of introverts and uh, I came out of that book and and I'm actually not uh, as extroverted as a lot of people think you know coming on things like podcasts or or coming out it's it's part being of the in job. sales you know yeah, be, yeah being in yeah yeah it's and and I'm I'm not I'm 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 much I'm a little bit towards the the introverted part of the spectrum actually I'm I'm technically what they call an ambivert you're kind of right in you're quite in the middle and then you kind of wake up in the morning and decide what you're going to be that day and it is huge. It is huge. The untapped potential of introverts in this country where 
extroversion is is almost I don't want to say deified, but it's it's very much celebrated at least. Yeah, to to a fault. And, and what happens is uh, introverts and their strengths, is it, is it generating ideas? Is it the creativity? Is it the analysis? The things that, you know, that are typically associated with introverts just get swept under the rug. So, so one of the, the best books I've read of all time, I, I would highly recommend it, even if you're not an introvert, but every, all of us are around introverts. Uh, I think it will help you understand where they come from and not that just enjoy your relationship with them more, it, whether, it's, whether it's family or, or colleagues or, or employees or, or however you're, you're connected to introverts in your life. Very interesting. I've yeah. heard of the book. I, uh, now I'm going to read it. Or sorry, listen to it. Yeah, no, I'd love, I'd love to have Susan. I'm, I'm uh, planning on reaching out here at some point. I'd love to have her come to Vancouver and speak because I think that would be a, amazing. Yeah, I think it's a message that's uh, that's needed in, especially in North American society. For sure. And Matt, as uh, someone who's been marginalizing uh, introverts for for many years, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is going to be eye opening. Yeah, I'm already starting to feel bad about that. What, uh, are, what are you like, crazy, crazy he's, he's, high extrovert? Too extrovert. He's too extrovert. Oh, he's yeah. too extrovert. he's, he's yeah. uh, Really the guy's something. personality fills a room I, and a podcast. Right when I walk in, people just stop and turn. Yeah, but your head barely fits through the door. <laughs> That's the problem is you, you try to walk in. You don't always make it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, hey, uh, Justin, how can people find out more about you and Hawkeye Wealth? Uh couple of easy ways here. First of all, you can go to our website, hawkeyewealth.com. Also, we, we've uh, spent a lot of time preparing a private equity guide uh, to help people, whether it's with due diligence or understanding the basics of, of how to get involved in, in commercial real estate investing and, and what we do. And you can get that at uh, privateequityguide.com. And just a plug for that, that, that is a great guide. Yeah. Like you, did, you did a we'll, fantastic we'll link job to on it on, uh, on our site. Perfect. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. Thanks hey, for taking the time. Thank you. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with president and founder of Hawkeye Wealth, Justin Smith. Really enjoyed that conversation with Justin. And we we uh, you know we meet up occasionally for lunch and that sort of thing. I always take so much from the conversations that I have with him. What a fantastic guest. He's he's wise beyond his years. He is. He is. There's no doubt. And one one thing, one takeaway, and I already had an Audible membership, but uh, that is a game changer. It is a game changer, but really, you should be listening to our podcast when you're out walking. Yeah, 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 um, yeah that's actually a good point. But if you run out of episodes, all 142 of them, get Audible. Uh, in, but Matt, also, what we wanted to talk about, we've got, um, Justin has an amazing guide. It's the Private Equity Investment Guide, and we're going to have in the show notes a link to where you can sign up to get your free copy of it, but you will learn a lot and it's really, really well put together. This is a fantastic guide talking about advantages of private equity, real estate, real estate strategies, performing due diligence. It basically gives you tons of useful information. You're going to want to get this guide and it will be in the show notes. Absolutely, Matt. And before we cut for the day, what else do we got? We got the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. That's exactly right, where you go for your tips, tricks, and research tools like private client services. Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. It's basically realtor level information right at your fingertips. It's free and it's better than anything else that's out there. We've tried them all. That is 100% accurate. If you are looking at Vancouver real estate and not using PCS, you are doing it wrong. We also have that mobile app. We do, Matt. Picture this. You are uh, a producer of a podcast in Vancouver and you're dressed as a sexy nurse walking through town. (laughs) 
<laughs> you are alone. It's late at night. Uh, I don't know why you're dressed as a sexy nurse. It's but not sh- even Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Halloween. You have your mobile in your medical bag. You pull it out. You point it at a building. And look, there's seven listings in this building that you might want to buy. That is what augmented reality looks like. It's kind of hard to imagine. <laughs> or maybe you don't Did want I not to. paint a good enough picture? <laughs> but augmented reality is here and you can get it on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. Yeah. We also have our weekly email list with the deal of the month the deals are getting better we're expanding our scope for the deals we're talking about deals on the island deals up north deals in other provinces you're going to want to keep abreast of all the deals we're finding right now well here's what happened is we've been having we've been having so many people reach out and we appreciate all the vrep community reaching out and people want properties that cash flow neutral or positive very difficult to find in vancouver so if we have something in vancouver of course we're going to present that to you but we're also putting options together all throughout basically throughout Canada, yeah. but uh, a lot in kind of the lower mainland or, or on the island throughout BC. Um, and a quick thing, Matt, I just want to say is we're also uh, going to be talking about the stats as well. We put out the stats every month on a regular basis, but we're going to have a, a more comprehensive stats package this month. So we're, we're going deep up. dive, deep we're, dive with the stats. And last but not least, we should reiterate, we have that seminar on november 7th you don't want to miss it the great debate it rages on and we are going to look for a winner on the 7th resale versus pre-sale yeah and and that's the thing and we're talking from an investment perspective uh, from an end user perspective what should you buy should you buy a pre-sale condo or a resale condo there's also going to be q a so we're going to be having a, a general conversation again if you want tickets we have limited number of seats here so get in touch Info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. It's going to be held downtown at the TD Canada Trust uh, Building, 1055 Dunsmuir. So get in touch. And Matt, how can people get in touch with you? Call me if you're looking for a ticket, 778-847-2854, or email me at matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And you, Adam? Or you can try me at 778-866-4574, or adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got that sexy nurse line. If you're looking for photos, info. At VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I was going to think, I was thinking more if you're looking for medical attention. <laughs> Take care, guys. Have a good week. All right. Enjoy. Happy Halloween. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain. He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fuchs. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. 
Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. 